Well, howdy, neighbors. Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Department of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Hi, I'm Nancy Oregon with the Oregon Farms in Thorndale, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas, agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. We have got another week rolling, and I've got another episode rolling for you of Texas Ag Today. All you got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. We're going to take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, USDA released the latest World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report last week. We'll take a look at some of the numbers in that WASD report to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. An opportunity to strengthen their herds could be coming the way of Texas High Plains ranchers. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll share some thoughts about rebuilding. The Texas Animal Health Commission has named a new state veterinarian and executive director of the commission. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have more in my story on Texas Ag Today. A break from the summer heat has finally arrived and has the wheels of agriculture turning here on the rolling plain. But as always, challenges remain. Hello, I'm Barry Mahler, and I have the story in today's report. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released the latest World Agricultural Supply and Demand Report last week. Jessica Domel takes a look at some of the numbers in that WASDE report. The United States is expected to produce less corn than originally expected. On Thursday, the U.S. Department of Agriculture released its monthly World Agricultural Supply and Demand Estimates report. USDA's Gary Crawford joins us with more. It looks as though the harvests of corn, cotton, and soybeans are going to end up a little smaller than we were thinking a month ago. After interviewing thousands of farmers and evaluating thousands of field plots, USDA lowering its previous production forecast for all three of those crops. It dropped the corn forecast by half a percent. USDA now expecting a 15.1 billion bushel crop, up about 10 percent from last season. Corn supplies are forecast at 16.45 billion bushels, down 160 million bushels from last month, with lower production and beginning stocks. The 2023-2024 U.S. corn outlook also included lower feed and residual use and exports, and smaller ending stocks. The season average corn price received by producers is up a nickel to $4.95 a bushel. 
A reduction in cotton production in Texas prompted USDA to alter its cotton forecast this month. For cotton, USDA says yields could end up being the lowest in eight years. So USDA cutting its cotton production forecast by 2%, now looking at a crop of 12.8 million bales, 11% below last year. The 2023-2024 season average price for upland cotton is forecast unchanged from last month at 80 cents a pound. World-ending stocks were lowered by 10 million bales due to an accounting change in the balance sheet for Brazil. The U.S. wheat outlook for 2023-2024 is for higher supplies, increased domestic use, unchanged exports, and higher ending stocks. USDA forecast an increase in supplies by 85 million bushels on increased production. Ending stocks are projected 55 million bushels higher to 670 million. The season average farm price has been reduced 20 cents to $7.30 on higher projected stocks and expectations for futures and cash prices for the remainder of the marketing year. Crawford said while most traders were not surprised by the cotton and the corn production cut, the soybean section of the WASD report may have been lower than expected. USDA chopping 1% off of its previous forecast, now expecting a 4.1 billion bushel crop, 4% smaller than last season. USDA's forecast for 2023 red meat and poultry production was lowered from last month, as higher beef and pork production is more than offset by lower broiler and turkey production. USDA raised beef production on higher cow and bull slaughter in the second half of the year. They say that more than offsets lowered third quarter steer and heifer slaughter. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Texas High Plains ranchers could be looking at an opportunity to strengthen their herds. James Hunt has the story on herd rebuilding from Amarillo. As ranchers in our region look toward the time when they will begin rebuilding herds, the opportunity could be there to not just regrow in numbers, but to also improve the quality of their herds overall. Dr. Jennifer Kojal with the Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo says this is a good time to think about where you want to go with your ranch in the years to come. Think about what type of cow best suits the operation that we're on. So thinking about genetic improvements that we want to make and how are we going to make those? Do we want to do it through AI of the existing herd or do we want to buy outside cattle and where are we going to outsource those cattle? Dr. Kojal says when shopping for the right genetics for your operation, operation, it's helpful to consider what your plans are for marketing your calves, particularly whether you're going to sell them at weaning or hold on to them longer. Are you thinking that you want to start retaining ownership into a feedlot? Uh, yearling weights and carcass traits are going to be more important to you? Are you thinking you're going to stay more on the maternal side and that you are looking more at cow traits and maternal traits, but really thinking about where is the future of your operation going and what is going to give you the most flexibility to market your calves? And here's some additional advice if you plan to raise homegrown heifers. We need to think about things that we can easily do. So doing reproductive tract scoring on heifers before we breed them to find the earlier maturing ones. Only keeping heifers that are born earlier in the calving season so that they are more mature. Once again, that's Dr. Jennifer Kojal with the Texas Tech Vet School in Amarillo. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Texas has a new state veterinarian. Tom Nicoletti has some info on the new state vet. The Texas Animal Health Commission has named Dr. Lewis R. Bud Dinges as the state veterinarian and TAHC executive director during its recent commission meeting. 
The governor appointed TAHC commissioners representing the general public and livestock, poultry, and exotic animal agriculture industries accepted the recommendation of the selection panel in the scheduled public meeting. The commission designated Dr. Dingus to begin his tenure this week, beginning October 16th. Animal Health Commission Chairman Coleman Locke said, quote, Dr. Dinja's extensive veterinary knowledge, diligent work ethic, and varied livestock education and experience will serve the industry exceptionally. Chairman Locke went on to say, quote, Dr. Dinges is very active in the veterinary equine and cattle industries. His well-established credibility and proven experience in a variety of roles, associations and veterinary and animal agriculture organizations gives me great confidence in his ability to successfully carry out the agency's mission. Dr. Dinges earned a Bachelor of Science degree in Animal Science at Texas A&M University and Doctor of Veterinary Medicine degree from the Texas A&M School of Veterinary Medicine. His professional career began in a mixed animal practice as an involved leader in the Texas and Southwestern Cattle Raisers Association's Cattle Health and Well-Being Committee. Dr. Dinges collaborated with TAHC, Southern Animal Health Association, the U.S. Department of Agriculture, and other regulatory agency officials. Dr. Andy Schwartz, Texas Animal Health Commission's current executive director, will be retiring effective January 2024. I'm Tom Nicoletti at the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. A break from the summer heat has arrived in the Texas Rolling Plains. Barry Mahler says that has the wheels of agriculture rolling in north-central Texas. While traveling across a large portion of rolling plains last week, I saw numerous grain drills running trying to get wheat seed into dry ground ahead of a weather change that was forecast. Well, cooler weather and some much-needed rain did occur and will help those farmers get some grain up for fall and winter grazing, and that should help offset the devastating condition of much of our rangeland due to a long, hot, dry spell. It's still plenty early to plant wheat for grazing and grain production, but I think a lot of farmers have the same memories I have back to a time where one of these dry spells are broken with an extended rainy period keeping grills out of the field for several weeks. Well, that didn't happen this time as most of the area received anywhere from an inch to two inches followed by sunshine and should get the grain up to a stand, but going to leave us short on stock water and long-term relief. Talking to producers around the area, I get the feeling that a lot of this wheat was planted without the normal fertilizer application. And that's partly because the condition of the ground just wasn't conducive to fertilizer application after the tough summer. Of course, concern about losing a lot of the nitrogen to a gassing off problem due to the heat. And besides that, just not knowing what the future held as far as rain was concerned. I've heard several farmers say, I'm going to get the seed in the ground, get it up and going, and then spend the money on fertilizer this year. That's understandable with the weather the past three months and the price of fertilizer. You want the most bang for your buck, and there's still plenty of time to get it done. World events right now don't seem to be helping on the fertilizer price front with possible disruption of supplies such as potash from Israel and the slowdown of liquefied gas, a major component of nitrogen from Iran. It seems that just about anything anymore that remotely suggests a reduction of supply seems to send prices through the roof and makes it a lot more expensive to buy. So waiting this year might not be such a good plan after all. The good news is, though, we did get a break in the summer heat and at least enough rain to get going on fall crops, and that is definitely something to be thankful for. Reporting from North Central Texas, I'm Barry Moore for Texas Ag Today. 
The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking Texans to report alligator snapping turtle poaching. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And treating cattle in the pasture is never ideal. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. This is State Representative Dwayne Burns, and I'm here with my friend, Super Bowl champ, and Dallas Cowboy legend, Jay Novacek. You know, I've been a real cowboy my whole life, so I'm asking everyone to go out and vote for Proposition 1, the Right to Farm amendment that this guy, Dwayne Burns, actually wrote. Whether you're a cowboy or not, this is important to all Texans. We all need access to safe and affordable food in the future. Proposition 1 protects our family farms and ranches, so they can grow our food right here in Texas. On November 7th, please head to the polls and vote for Proposition 1, the Food for Texas Amendment. Yeah, come on, Texas. Let's do it Jay's way. Vote for Prop 1 and then spread the word with your friends and family. Learn more about Proposition 1 at right2farmtexas.com. That's right, the number 2, farmtexas.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Treating cattle in the pasture is never an ideal situation, but Dr. Bob Judd says sometimes it's the only option you have. The veterinarians at the Beef Cattle Institute at Kansas State indicate at Drovers.com that there are basically five options when treating cattle on pasture, and these are darting, roping, trailering, or walking into a working facility or doing nothing. Certainly doing nothing is not an option, as in many cases the animal is suffering and must be treated. Dr. Bob Larson and Dr. Brian Lubers from Kansas State indicate that everyone has a favorite method depending on personal preference. Dr. Lubers indicates his favorite options are to get them to a working facility, and this is certainly the best option. It is safer for the animal and the veterinarian, plus the veterinarian can do a much better job of treating the animal. Obviously, if an animal has foot rot, walking a mile to a pen is not a good idea, and loading is much better if you have portable pens. If foot rot happens to be the disease you are treating, one treatment may not be enough, and the animal needs to be moved to a pen, so treatment can be continued for a few days to wrap the foot. Roping can work, assuming you have good enough cowboys to get the job done efficiently, and only one treatment is required, as you don't want to stress a cow by roping her for four to five days in a row. Treating cattle by using a dart gun can be successful depending on the reason you are treating. For example, if you are treating with an injectable antibiotic for pneumonia, you may be successful, although there is some concern about the amount of drug actually absorbed. On the other hand, if you are using a dart gun to sedate the animal for treatment, this is the last option in my opinion. Many times you have to give so much drug to get the animal sedated because they are so excited that some of these cattle will not survive. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is asking Texans to report alligator snapping turtle poaching. 
Jessica Domo has the story in today's Wildlife Report. The Texas Parks and Wildlife Department has increased the amount of reward money it is offering Texans who report poaching of alligator snapping turtles through Operation Game Thief. The reward for tips that lead to a conviction is now up to $2,000 thanks to additional funding from TPWD's Conservation License Plate Program. The alligator snapping turtle is a freshwater turtle. It resembles a small alligator with a rigid shell. They can be found from the eastern part of Texas all the way to Florida and as far north as Ohio. TPWD reports that the alligator snapping turtle is a threatened species, so harvesting the turtles is illegal in Texas. Paul Crump, TPWD herpetologist, says the high survivorship and long lives of adult alligator snapping turtles makes their population sensitive to the removal of even a small number of breeding adults. He said that's why Texas prohibited collection of the species in the 1980s. And that's why the department is asking for the help of Texans who work and spend time on the rivers in East Texas to reduce poaching. Operation Game Thief typically offers rewards of up to $1,000 for tips that lead to a conviction of a wildlife crime. But thanks to funding from the Conservation License Plate Program, they're doubling the reward for those who report alligator snapping turtle poaching if that leads to a conviction. You can help fight against illegal hunting, fishing, and other wildlife crimes in Texas by anonymously reporting tips to Operation Game Thief. That phone number is one 800 792-GAME, 1-800-792-GAME. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. It's time to check the markets. We'll be back with a complete look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Howdy neighbors, Commissioner Sid Miller here. The Texas Park of Agriculture's Farm Fresh Network connects local producers with schools to provide fresh food for our students. If you're a farmer, rancher, producer, sign up at farmfreshnetwork.org. Texas has lost over 2 million acres of agricultural land in the last 25 years. That's a threat to family farms, our economy, and our food supply. That's right, and there's a huge digital divide in our state. There are still large parts of rural Texas that have little to no access to high-speed internet. I'm State Representative Dwayne Burns. And I'm State Representative Trent Ashby. We're here to ask you to vote for Proposition 1 and Proposition 8. I wrote Prop 1 to protect your right to farm and ranch. It will prevent the abuse of regulatory power, protect the backbone of our rural economy, and ensure safe and affordable food for all Texans. And I wrote Proposition 8, which will create the Broadband Infrastructure Fund to address important upgrades for public safety and provide resources for broadband access in rural hospitals and schools. Let's head to the polls November 7th and vote for Prop 1 and Prop 8. Political advertising paid for by Texas Farm Bureau and Texas Broadband Now PAC. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. Cattle, cotton, and grains all close lower to kick off the trading week on Monday. The cattle complex finishing mostly lower. The nearby October live cattle contract, the only exception, it was up 7 cents, 185.20. December live cattle down 20 at 186.55. February down 27 at 190.65. 
Feeder cattle taking a drop across the board. October feeders down $1.55 at $248.32. November down $1.65, $249.92. With January feeder cattle down $0.72, cents, $251.52. Cash fed cattle market wrapped up last week selling cattle here in the Southern Plains at $183 to $184. That is $1 to $2 higher compared to the previous week. In the north, we saw live sales as high as 187 on Friday up in Iowa. Dressed sales were at 292 last week. Boxed beef prices higher on Monday. Choice up $1.39. Select up 223. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. My guest, Ken Jordan, Jordan Cattle Auction Mason in San Saba. Ken, how did the San Saba sale turn out? You bet, Larry. We ended up having right close to 1,700 head of cattle today. I thought the market continued to be very active this week with good demand uh, from the start of the week to the end of the week. The stocker steers, I thought overall, probably sold uh, 4 to $6 higher today. Had a group of three steers, weighed 500 pounds, a 310 a pound today, weighed about 1550 on those five-weight cattle. I thought the stocker heifers were probably 6 to $8 higher, a lot of activity on those. Get into the feeder steers. I thought overall they were um, steady, and feeder heifers were probably one to three dollars higher. The packer cows and bulls uh, were steady this entire week, so we may have already the northern cows that came uh, to the pack and kind of dropped a little bit there two weeks in a row, but we may have stabilized now and, and um, kind of maybe back increasing again in the next couple of weeks uh, with last cows around. I thought overall the bread cows and pears are steady on a very limited test we had. Get in our bull deal, our uh, Charlet bulls we had that uh, uh, it all had on the ranch today. They uh, averaged thirty three hundred and forty. $6. Uh, top bull of the uh, Charlays on his group was $4,000. The Reed Ranch Charlay bulls averaged thirty one sixty, dollars uh, And the uh, Greg Bailey Black Limb Flex bulls, uh, they averaged $4,125. And the Keith Rogers Ranch uh, Herford bulls, they averaged twenty eight fifty with a high bull for him at $4,700. Overall, a good sell day. There's still a lot of activity, Larry. Uh, we're looking good in this market October. Typically, you have a drop in this because of the health problems. Some of these cattle are warm days, cool nights, they get a little sick. Uh, but we just don't have the numbers of cattle to put the pressure on the market like we normally do, Larry. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Ken. You bet. Then give us a call, Larry. Go 325-372-5159. We appreciate it. Thank you a bunch. You bet, Larry. Thank you. And, neighbor, thank you for listening to Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm Larry Marble. I put it together for you. My guest today was Ken Jordan, and you're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. Back over to the futures market now. Lean hogs took a drop on Monday. December hogs down a dollar twenty, sixty-eight thirty. February hogs down a dollar twenty-seven at seventy-three oh seven. Class three milk slightly lower. The nearby October milk contract down four cents at sixteen eighty a hundred weight. November milk down two, seventeen thirty-nine a hundred. The cotton market closed lower. We've got several factors pulling this market in different directions. Last week's WASDE report cut the size of the U.S. crop for the third consecutive time. That is positive. However, weekly export sales last week, only 40,000 bales and shipments were a marketing year low. So weak demand seems to be offsetting any positive factors that we got out of that report. December cotton down 91 points, 85.15. March cotton down 72 at 87.05. May cotton down 62, 88.26. Corn market feeling harvest pressure. Good weather in the Midwest causing those combines to roll full speed ahead. And that does tend to put some pressure on the market. December corn dropped three and a quarter, 490 a bushel. 
March corn down three and a half at 505, while May corn was down three and three quarters, 512 and three quarters. Both hard and soft wheat took a slight drop. December Kansas City wheat down a quarter penny, 668 and three quarters. December Chicago wheat down two and a half, 577 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas down 11 cents, 312. November West Texas crude down 68 at 8701 a barrel. The financial markets, higher Monday afternoon, the Dow up 314 points, 33,984. The NASDAQ up 160 points at 13,567. The S&P up 45, 4,373. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this episode of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A, Texas agriculture.